Gavin Canavan, uh, who's an Irish demonologist from County Wicklow. Is that right, Gavin? Yeah, Wicklow Town. <coughs> Wicklow Town, is it? Yeah. Very good. Uh, well, look, thanks very much for, for um, I put out uh, a message to you there, and you kindly obliged uh, um, taking the call, so I appreciate that very much. Um, well, basically, I don't, I don't know if you've seen much of this podcast. It's kind of um, about, it's called Train, Todd, and Truth, and it's about your physical... Um, Suppose be dealt with your physical health, your your mental health, and your spiritual health, and how they interconnect, kind of, you know. And yeah. um, we deal with all kind of subjects along that line. But um, first, you might tell me basically about what you do and maybe what's an average week for yourself. An average week? You mean in the demonology world, or just walking and? Well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, well, well, maybe you could start with your background and where you're raised. Were you always a Wicklow man? Yeah, I was raised in Wicklow town. Yeah, very good. And. Uh, I lived there for oh, geez, my whole life, basically. I just moved the last year, so I've just settled in somewhere else. There. Okay. But yeah, all good. Working in a factory, you know, kids, girlfriend, the usual, you know yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, tell me, how did you get into uh, the demonology field? It's, it's very strange. I don't know. I was always drawn to demonology, ghosts, paranormal. So it was... I don't know, 20 years ago, 15, 20, it's a long time, I can't remember. I just started studying, reading books, joining paranormal teams, forming paranormal teams. And I was in a couple of good paranormal teams. And then after learning all about ghosts, something and paranormal, I just, you know, I just got drawn away from it. You know, I start studying demonology. I don't know why, I was always drawn to demonology. I don't know why. But anyway, so I started studying demonology, I started making contacts in the demonology world with top demonologist in America. There wasn't many people in Ireland doing demonology. Yeah. It was just myself. And there's still, I don't even think there's that many people doing it. Yeah. Um, I think what got me into it was, <clears throat> there's a lot of people out there and their, their homes are haunted. Yeah. And they need help clearing houses. They need, they need someone to understand what's going on. Just someone to go into the house, debunk the situation, and clear the house with them. To help yeah. them out, obviously. You know, we're <laughs> I heard yeah. you talking about this. Sorry, uh, you, you're kind of you, you sit down with the people and you kind of go through to make sure there's no mental illness involved. First and foremost, kind of, is there a process there? You go usually. There's always a process because you see, we do this free of charge. I've flown all over England, Birmingham, Scotland, doing this free of charge. I have a full time job. If I have a few pounds in my back pocket, I will happily drive anywhere and help the person free of charge. I want to take patrimony. I want to take no money. Well, because you're only, the way I see it is you're here for a short time and you don't know where you're going to go when you die so you might as well make the best of something you might as well help someone along the way yeah and I guess that's what we're all 
here for really, isn't it? Just helping each other out, get through the struggles. Because I know this this particular subject is something that if someone was going through it, I know it would be very hard to talk to people around you about it. You know, um, because first thing you think of is you know mental illness, maybe, or you know people mightn't receive it very well. But it's a very real thing for people, you know. And I think that you know talking about mental health, I, I guess you'd have to have would you have to be in a, a good mental state to go in to do something like this? I don't know, to be honest. Yeah, you have to have a, you have to have a sound mind. Yeah. You have to, um, you see, I've spent years doing paranormal, years of studying, and I, I've watched paranormal teams. I've done the ghost hunting. You're going in looking for ghosts. You're yeah. going in looking, and, I've, and I've, you know, the way I see it, if you get called to a house, you go in to prove it's not haunted. You go in to prove there's nothing there. Because if you go in thinking the house is haunted, your imagine your imagination is going to kick in. You're going to start hearing. You're going to start panicking. You'll get. You'll just go. You just go with the story. So what we do is, we do an interview on on you know the email us. We email back and forward for about a month, getting as much information as we can. And then we'll do a phone call, and then we we'll set up a date. We go into the house. We sit down. We spend about half an hour chatting, trying to get to know the family, make them feel comfortable with us because, you know, you're going into people's houses all the time. They're strangers. You feel uncomfortable yourself. It's a bit nerve-wracking at times. You're going into rooms where there's kids, there's dogs. You know, it's a strange environment. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, these people just need help. Yeah. So we sit down. We go through the process of what we do. We don't make any promises. If it's a real case, you tell us the truth. You don't hold anything back because we won't judge you. We don't care if you've used the Ouija board or worship the devil. We're here to fix the problem. Yeah. We're here to get them back into religion to change their their views on life. Yeah. Okay. Well, we don't, we, not all the time, we don't make them get into religion. We just encourage them, you know, after this, change the way you are, more positivity in your life. Go to Mass once a week at least. Just try and, because when you're asking for help, you have to meet someone. You have to meet halfway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Someone's house. Do a, a religious clearing and then leave. And then they just go back to using Ouija boards or witchcraft. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. You were, you, were you raised in a Catholic family? <clears throat> yeah, I, I am Catholic. Yeah, well, I, when I was growing up, I wasn't that religious. Yeah. I don't know what I wasn't religious. I never went to mass, went in the hop. You know, the usual what everybody does. But as I got older and as I started studying demonology, I got drawn to religion because... Demonology isn't paranormal. Demonology is religious. Mm -hmm. So you have to become, when studying demonology, you need to study religion first. Because you need to fill, you need to get your faith, you need to build up your strength. Or you can't go into a house and do a deliverance or do a clearing and say prayers if I've no faith in God. It won't work. I have to be fully protected. I have to know what I'm doing. Does that make When I started studying demonology, the first two years, I didn't do a case. Because I didn't know how. Okay. Here to teach me. I was doing online courses. I was reading books. I was, you know, studying the wrong way. So over the years, I've changed my demonology to suit me. I've yeah. worked with the best demonologists in the world, and they've taught me for the last 20 years how to do this, how to do proper deliverance, how to do healing. And over the last couple of years, you know, you build up discernment. You know, it's like demonology, you know, like, <clears throat> how do we explain this? After the Conjuring movie, I had a lot of teenagers ring me saying, you know, I want to be a demonologist. I've seen the movie. I want to do this. And I'm trying to explain to you, you know, you have to go to mass. You have to be holy. Yeah. You need your protection. 
you need to see the problem with demonology is you need to be drawn to demonology. It has to be for you. It's not for everybody. It's like a psychic or a medium. They're born with something. Yeah, yeah. And, and what, what's your opinion on, just as we're touching on, psychics and mediums? I have a lot of friends that are psychics. I have a lot of friends that are mediums. Now, I don't judge anybody. But, you know, I find working cases, people have got mediums in. Now, I'm not dissing mediums. Some mediums are brilliant. But what happens is, when you have a proper demonic house, mediums shouldn't really enter. Because I've had, of the last case I done, I had a, a medium come into the house and he told a family, there's a, you see there's three spirits in the house. There's two bad spirits and there's a good spirit. And the good spirit's a little girl. So we go in afterwards, you sense the energy, your discernment, you do the interview, and you know exactly what a spirit can do and what a demonic spirit can do. Because you know, like a demonic spirit's a fallen angel. It has ultimate power. Not ultimate power, but it can lift wardrobes. It can abhor things. It can bring on manifestations that a normal spirit can't do, if that makes sense. So when we do the interview, and what happens when the medium goes into the house, this dark entity, it's a fallen angel, uses the mediumship gifts against the medium. It will appear as a little child. Yes. So I was going to ask you about that because I, you know, um, I do have a slight kind of experience or I've delved into this in the last few years myself on a personal note. And uh, I do know, you know, you see these paranormal things on the TV and they're talking to uh, kids in an orphanage and all this kind of thing. And, you know, from what I've read is that these are um, disguised, you know, like there's no reason a kid would be walking around an orphanage for 200 years if you were religious. You know, I, I, I it took me a long time to figure out what was what was right and what was wrong, you know? And so the meanership gets, the meaning, the meaning gets, obviously, it's used, the, their powers or the gift is used against them. So what happens is the family feels sorry for the child's spirit and they invite the spirit yes. in. So what happens is the entity is disguised as three spirits. So the invitations there say, how it works is the invitation, the law of attraction, the law of invitation. The law of attraction is like, you know you're attracted to haunted houses, objects in a yard sale you're drawn to stuff and that's how it gets invited in the law of invitation is you do witchcraft you do ouija boards you invite it in if that makes sense like yeah. you go into a haunted house and there's a demonic being there it can attack you it'll push you around it can do certain things so you leave the house but if you go back into the same house a week later knowing there's a demonic being there you're given into the you're given in your free will, which opens you up for attack and attachment, even possession down the line. You're given into something. See these things, they live in this world, but they don't have to be invited in. If that makes sense, you can live a normal life without in court, in, in, without bumping into the darkness in this world. You don't have to like. Yeah. But if you're invited in, you're in a lot of trouble because once Pandora's box is open, it's very hard to close. And tell me, do you remember the first time? You know, I know you're studying this stuff, but do you remember the first time actually coming across um, something demonic? Like, you must have took you back an awful lot. I started off, and then, um, Jesus, it was, it was, I was brutal, very brutal. I was so bad because, you know, <laughs> there was no one, when I started off, no one believed in demons. There was paranormal teams that didn't have time for demonologists. Mediums don't believe in bad ghosts. And you're by yourself, you're isolated, so people are ringing you. You can't to people's houses by yourself. And, freaking out yourself you're like how do i do this how do we do deliverance and you're trying to sit down and 
you're, you're talking to yourself, you're saying, right, this is what I've learned and studied. And over the last couple of years, all the books in the world, all the studying won't do anything. It's basically in, going into a house and doing it. That's where I got the experience from. Yeah. You know, so I could I go into a house starting off and during the night, I, I'd Skype someone in America, say, listen, I'm in a house. Can you help me out here? So he'll explain, my friend would explain to me how it is, how it feels, what to do. So I've always had people in the background for the first couple of years helping me. Yeah, yeah. Now, now believe it or not, like, I go into houses, every, I, I do it on a monthly basis because of a family of kids. It takes us a month to do a case to build up because the thing is, when we do a case, say we go to Kerry, I have to book a hotel. I have to make sure the kids are fine that week. Yeah. My partner works with me because my partner is my case manager, Carmel. She's fantastic. She she knows a lot about mental illness, everything. So she'll go into the house, she'll do the interview, and she we know she'll be able to tell me, listen, there's something wrong here. They're taking tablets. This is affecting them. You know what I mean? Like She's able to fix people out because you have to go through the medication. Well, you're mixing this and that. You're taking this. You're depressed. Could it cause you to lose weight? Is there, like, if you have gas in your house, you have carbon dioxide detectors because if you go into the same room, there's gas there, you will hallucinate, you'll get the headaches, you know what I mean? You have to prove that it's not a natural cause, you know, that it's not mental illness as well. But one thing is the hardest thing I've I've come across is people that do have mental illness, like schizophrenia, would contact me. And then I have to figure out, oh, what's going on here? So, yeah. I'm going to the house anyway, but after 20 minutes of going around the house, I know myself there's something there. Yeah. Because over years and years and doing it and, you know, seeing stuff and people talking to you, like for years before I'd done a case, I've always had, I'm not going to say psyche, but I've always had someone, you can hear people talking, you know, pray to this, pray to him, do this, do that. I've always had someone watch me. And that was for the first couple of years as well. Then, then, you know, it fades out where you realize, you know, you've been given a ladder. Now you have to step in the ladder yourself. You've got to be your own self. You can't rely on, you know what I mean? You have to rely on faith. You can't have someone hold your hand all the time. Does yeah. that make sense? It does make sense. And I'll tell you why in a little while. But, you know, you touched on something there funny because, um, you know, it's interesting that people believe in haunted houses and the mainstream people, they're attracted to it. But then if you bring up the subject of God, people, you know, look at you as if you have two heads, you know, but, you know, they, they, queue up and they'd be terrified to turn the light off at the same at the same time you know when, when we go in and we do the clearing and, you know we remove stuff from people's houses people are downstairs seeing black shadows walking past there there's banging upstairs you smell of sulfur they're screaming while you're praying over them they're, that's an attachment like and afterwards they'll go straight to mass they'll, they'll start fresh they'll start a whole life i've never met an atheist in a haunted house yeah yeah and that is the truth, like, you know. Yeah. But it's interesting. Sorry, go ahead. Sometimes you go into, like, sometimes you go into people's houses and there is nothing there. Mm-hmm. They're just afraid. They're just old. And that's what it is. Like, so we still do the same clearing because at the end of the day, by doing a clearing and blessing the house, you're only bringing in goodness. Yeah. And then, and then we, if, we, if we know the house isn't haunted, we know the person is a little worried, a little stressed, at the end of the clearing, We'll get them to do the clearing with us. We'll give them a prayer book. We'll show them what to do. By doing this, we know they're not in danger. We know there's nothing going to attack them. But it brings up their confidence. Yeah. That they know that they can bless their own house. They can go around. They feel comfortable. And a couple of weeks later, they're running there saying, listen, thanks for that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And tell me, you, know, you talked about them 
them movies that have become very um, popular, especially in recent years, The Conjuring and all that, how true to life you going in there to what they're doing on the screen. Because I know it's based on uh, the actual couple that went around America. What were they called? Um, <coughs> but uh, what, like, is, does it look accurate? It's obviously dramatised to a certain extent. Most of it is, to be honest, most of it isn't that. Most of it's psychological. Most of it's like, how to explain, years and years ago, I was taking haunted houses, haunted, I was taking haunted objects from people's houses. I was by myself, I was going in and I was doing a case and there was a Ouija board and I said, I'll, I'll, take, the, I'll, I'll take the Ouija board home, you know, so you won't use it again, I'll bless it. So <clears throat> after a couple of years, my whole house was full of haunted mirrors, haunted Ouija boards, rocking horses, voodoo kits from Louisiana, real bone, I had witchcraft stuff. I had so much stuff, I had my own Ed and Lorraine museum. I had that much stuff in the house, but I wasn't sleeping. Yeah. I wasn't sleeping. So what happened? I built all this up. And I, I, I convinced myself, you know, this is the right thing to do. You can't burn an object. You can't destroy an object because, you know, people say the energy goes back and it can attack a person. So I kept everything, you know. So what happened was, this is terrible. It's the most frightening thing I've ever experienced. <clears throat> I was going to bed. The house is cold anyway because it was an old rented house in my club. Going to bed, footsteps started about three o'clock in the morning. There was knocks on the wall. There was banging. There was someone standing beside me. I was going, freaking out, like, what is this? What is, what's going on? So I was getting up, turning the light on, doing my own prayers, trying to get rid of it. So I'd done that for a few weeks. Then the scratching started, the coldness in the room. You know, I started seeing faces in my mind, creatures with green eyes and now pale, greeny skin and talking to me. Because the more I prayed in the house, the more he spoke. He said, <coughs> I heard them laughing. And I was going, boy, what's going on here? Like, and they were laughing. They were going, well, you invited us in. That's all he kept saying. There's nothing you can do. You invited us in. So basically, I was sleeping two hours a night. I was getting to bed drained. I was going to work. I was coming home, getting gone into a cold house. I was always praying in the house, lighting holy candles. The whole house was full of religious stuff. At this stage, I was bringing everything into the house wasn't making any difference because I invited him in. I was being oppressed at this stage. They were talking to me, they were sitting on the bed, they were lying beside me. Then one night, I felt a hand here and I said, I must be, I said, I'm dreaming, I'm stressed out, I haven't slept, this isn't real. So I felt myself being pushed back into the bed, really forcefully pushed in, I said, this isn't right. And I felt a hand grab me by the leg and pull me straight out of the bed. And I got up and I was, I was in bits. I said, what am I gonna do? Like. So go to bed then the next day, the room would fill up with shadows. This lasted about three or four months. And, jeez, uh, I didn't know what to do with that. So anyway, make a long story short. My partner at the time, well, I was still going with her at the time. And um, she came into the house and I was, I was, I was going over her about see, I think a few months at this stage. And she didn't really believe in the demonology and stuff. You know, and then I think after a couple of weeks, she was, we were sitting watching TV three little bangs on the wall. I was like, oh my God, what the hell? So we went out, opened the door, no one there, happened three times. And she witnessed it and I, was, I just thought to myself, this is good. I don't mean to frighten the girl, but at the same time, I know for a fact that I have not been stressed out. There's no mental illness. I haven't overworked myself. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. You can only do so much before you burn out. Yeah. So I, I knew for a fact that something was going on. So anyway, I don't really get into personal stuff, but for the safety of my missus, 
going home in her house. Because when you do demonology, I was told years ago it's the most dangerous job in the world. And I never understood that. I thought she used to win Claire Hills is the home. Your family, your loved ones will always be a target. And, I, you know, I've had frights. I've seen stuff. But at this stage, you're worried about your partner. You're worried mm-hmm. what's going to happen on the way home. So anyway, I'm not going to say, but stuff started happening in her house. That was frightening me. Very, like, frightening me. I was worried sick. Because I knew for a fact that I've caused this. This is my this is my fault. You know what I mean? Like, yes. And at the time, my partner wasn't my case manager. We weren't really doing cases. She, we were only getting to know each other. And it's hard to meet someone and you tell someone, you know, I'm into demonology. <laughs> houses, you know, so anyway, there was a bit of a fright. Something major happened where, I don't know, it was like, it's like she heard, it's like, I don't want to get into personal, but it's like, not that she heard something, it's like she came across something where she heard someone saying to her, you will become a target for a reason. And we didn't understand what that was. And the fear that was put into me that I went out and now I spent years doing cases, building up all this collection. I put it all into a van. I drove it up to private land somewhere, dug a hole, rang a few demonologists, where it does say in the Bible, and it does quote in the Bible, I can't think about it, where the town villagers brought out everything unholy and burnt it in the middle of the town. And basically what that means is anything unholy can be burnt. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. If you, like, people say you can't burn these objects because the energy goes back and will attack a person. But if you've got faith in God... And you believe that God's a lot stronger. There's more goodness in this world. Mm. That if you do something properly and destroy it properly, it will stay gone. Right. So I said certain prayers, used holy oil, and I burnt everything I owned. In one night, gone. Went back to the house, done my own blessings, clearings, gone. No more haunting, nothing. It's amazing, isn't it? Yes. I actually, you know, funny enough, I actually, I contacted as well. I had, you know, since I had this this podcast going, I've been kind of delving into certain things and um but I have my own story that's not too far from what this is. Um uh, when I as as back as long as young as I can remember, say three or four, um I'd wake every night and see shadows. And so this went on for years, every night. Night after night, I remember I couldn't sleep. My parents would kind of say, What's wrong? You know, they can't do anything. So this went on from the age of three to about the age of 15 or so, say. And I got one or two scares where I felt like I was being grabbed into the bed and, and things like this, very, very frightening stuff. And um, I started, it disappeared for a little while. And um, the kind of age of the internet started to come around where Google was alive. And I remember going back in and saying, okay, I wonder if anyone else has seen what I have seen. And I got these millions and millions of hits, you know. And I've seen what is, you know, looked the exact same description of what I was seeing. And uh, I ended up going to, I was going out, with, I went to a fortune teller. And uh, it was supposed to be very famous, so I won't say his name or like that. But um sat down with me, went through a whole thing. And I, he said, you have three questions. And I said, look, uh, said, this hasn't happened in a couple of years now. But all my life I was growing up and this has been torturing me, you know, because nobody I speak to knows what I'm talking about. And I said, these teeny shadows would appear and it's like a feeling of dread and they'd be so clear, as, as clear as I'm sitting with you, filling up the room. And he said to me, he said to me, yeah, they are real. And he, he uh, gave me a book to read or whatever. Now, the, set, the next night, for the first time in years, all over the place. And, you know, I, I felt as though to myself that I let that back in by going to a medium about it. Now, I went out with, I was going out with a couple of, like a girl at the time 
and one night leaving her house, I hadn't told her, she rang me and said, there's shadows all over the room, or I've been there before, just on the way, and I met two or three girls on the space of a year or two who'd said the same things, and I really didn't know what was going on. I was there, uh, you know, I was afraid to kind of live by myself, and I was, with work, I was away for a while, and I was staying by myself, and uh, this was only about four years ago, it came back like a ton of bricks, and I, I, I couldn't, if you think about something, like, yeah, if you think about that. If you think about, if you an attachment or something around you, if you think about that, you draw mm-hmm. a step forward. Once yeah. your mind is always thinking about it, you fear your subconscious. You draw it straight back in. Yeah, yeah. Think, if you don't think I will say them, I don't jump in the story, but I've always said this, people. Every single person has got a soul, and you've got an org field. The org fields around you. If you're a happy person and bubbly, your org field is bright colored. Your vibrations are really, really good. But if you're a cruel person, you hurt animals, you take, you know, you hurt people, you're not good, you hurt animals, your auric field changes, goes darker, your vibrations completely change, that attracts darkness. They will cling on to you and they will influence what you do. So what I always say to people in haunted houses, if you live in a dark house, change the vibrations, paint the walls yellow, do up your house, Get rid of the darkness, let brightness enter your house, change the frequency, the vibrations. Sorry. Next was it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry. Okay. That's what happens. But if you think about it, if you think about something and you've enough fear, it will draw that thing back in. Yeah, but, well I think that maybe I was I was half because of the fear of being by myself there and for the first time in years, but even at that age of like 26, 27, whatever it was. But one thing I had seen in documentary, because I was trying to figure out, figure this out, and knock it on the head, and um, someone said that when it made it go away was uh, Jesus, I trust in you, and uh, I did say that one night, and it all did disappear. But um, kind of as a skeptic, I I didn't expect much from it, but it it did, and uh, everything changed straight away from it. And ever, ever since that, I've been on this this it. it, it it happened once or twice, and the minute I said, Jesus, I trust you, it disappeared. And I've been on this kind of, a strange few paths led me down the way to churches and people asking me directions to certain places and leaving one seat in the pew. A lot of things started happening where now, at this stage, my faith is very strong, and nothing like that happens anymore, and nor do I fear it. But I know how real it is. You know something, like I always say to people in haunted houses, when they've been thrown around the house, and you know, you hear growling, you go into people's houses, and you go upstairs, you're doing prayers, you're doing what you know how to do, and you hear the groaning around, you hear a name being called, and you go, oh, here we go. You feel yourself being pushed, scratched, you know? And I always tell them, if there wasn't goodness around, if there wasn't angels around, you'd be dead, they'd kill you. Mm. So you're being protected. But the activity's happening because it's being invited in. Yeah. But they're allowed to do so much. You see the infestation stages when your house is haunted, then they go from haunting the house. That's just to build fear. When enough fear is built up and you release enough psychic energy, they go from haunting the house to basically haunting you. That's called oppression. Oppression works inside and outside, internally and externally. Inside is when you start feeling alone. You know, you're stressed. My family don't like me. I've had a bad day. Jeez, I don't like myself. I just I just can't cope, right? So you're being oppressed in, and you're being moved to one side. These things will pick the weakest person in a room. So you've been isolated from your family, you argue, you fight, you get headaches, you get angry, right? And then the external oppression where you start seeing the shadows, you start seeing the figures, you start talking. What it means is they're they're emotionally 
breaking you down from inside and you don't even know that. They're breaking you down for one reason, either to get you to take your own life or possess you. They cannot possess you, they'll kill you. Yeah. Now, possession basically means they basically control you. They're not inside you, but they're inside, or they're inside you basically, but they have control of you. They're, they won't leave, they'll stay there. Because by doing this, they're taking, they're breaking you, they've taken your free will which God has given you. And that's what it's all about. They're hurting God and they want to kill you. But yeah. the thing to say, most people don't realize as well how demonology works. Like, and I don't get into too much religion. People think, you know, you know man made, made us in his image. The devil didn't want to worship us, all that stuff. But what really happened was, until, like, this comes from the Vatican Church as well. Mm. Certain priests uh, spoke about this. Believe it or not, right, when God created human beings, now, we got created angels, created human beings. Everybody gets tested. Adam and Eve in the garden, you know what I mean? They get tested. But God tested the angels as well. He never showed himself to the angels when he created them. Because if he shown himself to the angels, they would automatically would never betray him. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. There's no, be no reason for faith. Oh, absolutely not. So what happens is he gives them the information. He gives them the knowledge. And he says, I'm going to create human beings. I'm going to make them in my image. What if you angels get upset about this? Then he goes on and he says, I'm going to come down to earth as a man. And they're like, why would you want to come down to earth as a man to your God? Like these things, they're just blood and meat. Well, you see, you see where it's the ego and pride is coming up, but we're better than that. We're pure spirits. Why would you want to do that for? What do we want to worship them for? And then, like, this, is the, this, is the mad, this is the maddest thing. This is the part that kicked it off. Right? Then he goes, I will be crucified. I will die, but there will also be a woman. And this really, like, what do you mean a woman? The Virgin Mary will be Jesus' mother. She will be, I'm the, I'm the king of heaven. She will be the queen of heaven. She will be over all angels. She's the mother of God. She's the mother of heaven. They couldn't hack a woman being in charge, basically. So they fell. That's what caused it, basically. It was a, it was a human beings of free, but mostly the Virgin Mary. So all exorcists will tell you they fear the rosary the most. That's what they always tell people. You mightn't think about, if you're in a haunted house, Say the rosary is the most protective thing you could do because even during an exorcism, the Virgin Mary always appears. She's always there helping you. Even when, say, when it, when someone's possessed and the Catholic Church or an exorcist priest is doing the exorcism and then he questions the demon, it tells it always says, Mary, we're afraid of Mary. We don't like Mary. It always comes out because the information, that's where the books come from, from years and years of exorcism to get the information, the, the, the drill to get as much information as they can, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And the, you know, like like one or two, like it really, in certain ways, yeah, it's hard to talk about it as well in, in a lot of ways. And um, but it does, you know, straight away when you know, like I, when I really caught what something was going on was when someone in the room suddenly said, "Do you see that?" And I said, "Do you see that as well?" Like I've been saying that forever. You know what I mean? And this happened with multiple people, and. Um, and then there was a night where I want to throw this at you because um, it's similar to a concept I found later on and like, you know, where I felt as though a choking where you can't move. And I seen this, you know, this thing that was that was like that. And I was trying to grip, pull it away. And uh, funny, this happened in, in my, my family's house years ago. And my brother woke up, who's actually claimed atheist, but he said that so it felt like something hit his bed. And he woke up, it was about three in the morning or something. And he walked out of the hallway and heard me gasping for breath. And he shouted in, are you okay? And this thing jumped onto the wall and, and went away. 
and I grabbed my mattress and threw it in his room and said, fuck that, you know. But um, this, you, you come across this a lot called the old hag syndrome. Um, and I don't know if, but it, definitely something was was doing that, you know, or trying to do that on occasion. People are going about the old hag syndrome, but at the end of the day is, when a spirit pins you to the bed, it's for one reason, it's to frighten it. Mm. And the most frightening thing is being pinned to a bed when you're asleep. Yeah. That's, that's where the fear comes from. The more fear you release, the stronger these things grow. Yeah. They fear. And that's what, that's what it comes down. Even before we get a case, you know, people will be doing the interviews for a couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're like, Jesus, you know, it doesn't feel right in the house. You know, you go to bed, something sits on the bed, mm. you see that go across. Then night you're worried, Jesus, is anything going to happen to the dog, the kids? Is anything going to come into the house? That's the, but people don't see. When I say it's the most dangerous job in the world, because most, most of the activity doesn't happen in the houses we went to. It happens in my own house for what we do. Like, there's yeah. plenty of times driving home from a case, out of nowhere, a car's just gone in front of us and nearly killed us for no reason. Right. Always in your, like, these things, once you start doing demonology, you're always a target because they don't forget you. These things are angels. They remember everything about you. They know who you are. The minute you go into the house, they do it clearly. You can have a child walk up to you and go, he's upstairs waiting for you. And the yeah. band up, you go, what did, what did you just say? He's upstairs yeah. waiting for you. What the? Like, we've done cases where we've done hat men, we've done animals, we've done, jeez, we've done everything. Everything you imagine. It's it's creepy stuff. And to be honest, most people don't believe it's there until you get invited in. The only reason we do the dark stuff is because that's what we're. That's what we study. That's what we're here for. Paranormal teams are ringing us. Go, listen. We have a case. It's too dark for us. There's something demonic in the house. Would you take over the case? Because we go in, we clear the house. You know, if you need an exorcist priest, we would email an exorcist priest. We'll email the bishop. We'll get the ball rolling. We we'll leave it in the church's hand. That's how we, the thing with demonology. And this one thing I, I always tell people: if I could, if I clear every single house I go into, my ego, my pride would take over. I think I'm God's gift. It doesn't happen. You can't clear every house. Everybody's got limitations. You have to know what you can and can't do. Mm-hmm. If you go into a house and you're getting overtaken, you're getting punched in the face, you're getting sick, you feel, you know, you're in bits, you're getting dragged and scratched. You have to stop and go, I can't do this. But if I continue to do this, I put that family in harm. That family could be killed. This house can go on fire. Yeah. Oh, they're young, they might get oppressed. They might get down the road and hang himself. Do you yeah. understand? The husband might kill his kids. Kill the wife, kill himself. Yeah, and do you think that a lot of cases of like suicide, like I know from 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 going through this, wh- whether people are listening, they think it's real or not. It's definitely psychologically real. Like that person feels the hundred percent it's real, and I, to this day, like in my mind, it's as real as this computer. But do you think this this you know there's a big case you made that uh, I know how it feels and how it can weigh down on you over time. That people have gone to their deaths like over this, and people aren't aware of it. I've got one of my, I'm going to tell you a case now, it's still going on. It's actually a man from Thailand rang me and uh, he was going through a hard time. He sent videos of his wife who's a pastor over there praying over him. He's screaming, his eyes are black, all that stuff, yeah. So anyway, we couldn't, I can't, I can't fly to Thailand, you know what I mean? I can't just go yeah. like that. What happened was I, I managed to fly him. Well, he had money, he had a good job. So we managed to fly him from Thailand to America at the moment where a good friend of mine is actually doing deliverance ministry with him the last three weeks. So every week he's on, he's fasting for a week. He's doing prayers. He's doing deliverances. He's living down the road from the family for the last three weeks. He's a very lucky man. He's got money and he can afford to do it, I can tell you. There's just people out there that can't afford to do that. They're stuck in countries. They can't find help. 
You know what I mean? He's just lucky. But that's gone on still, so that'll go on for the next month. That's just one case. Yes. Cases all the time that would freak you out. Like, you know, one thing I was going to say to you, like, in terms of, you know, you had this drive for demonology, you're saying, you know, um, and do you think that people are guided to where towards a certain path that they can help people out in? Because I know one of the reasons I had the spiritual side to this podcast was to deal with this subject because I know when I hit the millions of views on people going through this stuff, and I was saying, you know, his faith thing works. Like, I, as a skeptic, the faith was what made this all disappear for me. But do you think that you were guided towards this path to help certain people in certain times? To be honest, you know, I don't... We'll be doing it, like, the first couple of years is a struggle. I've changed my demonology so many times where I've come to a plateau now or come to an area now where I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Everything's working for me. I've got... I've look, even looking here, I've got... You mightn't see it. I've got holy oil here, blessed by a top exorcist priest. I've got stuff given to me over the years that I use. You know what I mean? I'm lucky that stuff just falls at me. But for years, I didn't have anything. But now, the last couple of years, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a good job. We're doing it properly, you know, we're doing the proper interviews. We do case files. I've got five folders that big over there. We just, they're just cases for just like, um, if you can see that. Yeah. They're just, they're case files. Every, and there's four or five of them over there. I spent years building, I spent years, years building, oh, sorry, yeah, building a library of books. And I mean, I've got books out there worth a lot of money. Yeah. I, I spent all my money on books. I wanted a library, so I built myself a library. I've books out there I can't even get of Necronomicons you can't get. I've stuff out there for summoning demons, some anything. Voodoo books and conjuring everything. If yeah. you, someone went into my book library there, they could summon a demon. They could troll someone through voodoo. I've that many books out there. But the reason I get these books is because I want to study. I need to learn. I need to know a lot about different religions different cultures, you know, and and a good thing is well, when I go into people's houses do cases, I burnt all the hot haunted objects, but I've kept the books. They've, I've could be 60 books on witchcraft out there used in cases. I have them out there, but they're blessed, they're sealed, and I just use them for study. Mm-hmm. You know, everywhere I go in my house, I have books that are very rare, you know, I've got like Encyclopedias. It's very hard to get, and they're very expensive. Some books are worth three thousand. The Necronomicon out there worth a couple of thousand. You've Jeez. got, you've got books like this. They're very no, just all study books. They're hard to get. That's the only um, version you can actually get in English, believe it or not. The Infernal Dictionary there. That's it's just about light reading and the Jacks movies. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, most of the yeah, stuff. I'd say it's tough reading. But most of my study and most of the stuff doesn't. You don't use it, to be honest. Yeah. You know, you have an idea how things work. You know, people have this thing of reading the internet, you know, doing demonology, you must study demons, you must know every single demon. I spent years doing that to start in the house. What is the point? Yeah. That makes sense. Like, I said, there's no point. Then I've got demonologist friends, they're real Christian demonologists you now, the deliverance ministry's come. You know, you got the, the demon of lust, demon of hate, demon of hate, demon of... And all these, I said, don't, you don't need all that. When you go into a house... You dare declare the, the demonic that's in the house. You have certain prayers that you use that challenges everything. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That moves everything from a house. To know a demon's name is dangerous because you can bring that forward. You don't need to know a demon's name. The only person needs to know a demon's name is that an exorcist priest when he's doing a, an exorcism. Because during the exorcism, at the end of it, the demon will give up its name 
And when it gives up its name, it's weakened, and then it casts it out. That's the only person who has no names. There's no, if you go into the house and go, right then, I bind or whatever, Beezabub or Asmonius, or, you don't know who you're talking to. Does that make sense? I, I go into a house, when I get called to a house, I always say, straight away, I don't care if there's friendly spirits there or this is a child spirit. That's bullshit to me. Yeah, yeah. It's bullshit. There's no children's spirit out there, less in a house with a demonic being, like. Yeah, yeah. Oh God! I had a friend of mine who was uh, who was atheist until this year, and uh, I remember he, he went to Australia a few years ago. And first, one of the first things he saw, he was going out with a girl, and they went to a fortune teller, and they said she sent him these nightmares of her, and said, that's just your granddad trying to, you know, open knocking the door, let him in. And as soon as she did, he said he woke up one night and her eyes were black, and she was wrote yeah. these words. Now he was things I think followed him home up until this time last year he was he was he was atheist he didn't believe in god but he knew these things were happening but he was talking to certain there was like farmers or something that were praying for him that was lifting it for a certain amount of time and then he came this year and he said i i do there's too many things saying so i do believe in god now but he, he said he wouldn't he wouldn't um believe in jesus because he didn't believe in a man who walked around the desert. Now, I, I'd be a strong believer in Jesus because that was the one name that took everything away from me. So, Jesus, um, Jesus might be a man, but then he's not a man as well. He's God. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, yeah. he, had, to do, he had to die. He had to do what he had to do, I suppose. He had to, he had to change the way things were, you know what I mean? And that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's exactly what it is. But, you know, if you've no faith, you could get trampled. If you're an atheist, you could be taken over very easily. Yeah, yeah. That's what I said. You know, I said, you know, why don't you ask these priests who they're who they're praying to? Because I'm sure you get a few answers then. You know. But the thing is, as well, going back to children's spirits, you go into house, you know, you're being pulled out of bed, you've been slapped and punched. That's not. That's that's anything dark isn't good. Yeah. Children's spirits are not in haunted houses. I know a couple of people now. I've read up on it, and you know, we do a lot of studies as well. But I know a couple of people. And I read a lot of testimonies, you know yourself going through stuff, because you have questioned yourself for a long time, is there, like, what's real, what's not? You know, and to be honest, like, at the end of the day, if you're going to go to a fortune teller, what what are you going for? Yeah. What are you going to You know your family's happy. Yeah. If you have faith, you know they're happy. Mm-hmm. You're opening yourself up to something, like... Yeah. You know, interestingly, when I, when I told the fortune teller about what I saw right at the end, he, he wrote down a book, you know, you can do what I can do and all that. And I fit, years later, I know uh, that would have been the wrong path because I, personally, I don't believe that they're speaking to anything that's well, positive, you know, their, their voice that they're getting. And I say something, I, listen, I'm going to tell you something. I, I'm trying not to be a hypocrite here. I have friends that are memes. I started off years and years ago doing stupid stuff, like, not stupid stuff, but I started off doing, par- I, le- I learned everything about the paranormal. I don't, I studied mediumship. My friends are mediums. I was trying to get into that circle. I do so. I was doing psychic work. I was doing trying to do like everything, but but you know, Reiki, all that stuff. And you know, at the end of the day, my opinion, my personal opinion, it's not for me. The only thing that worked for me was religion, and religion was meant for me. Yeah. And that is that is what I I've, because I go into people's houses, I give out a bit of new medium or something, but I give out about it because I've done it. Does that yeah. make sense? I've studied parapsychology, I've done mediumship, I've done psychic, I've done recce, I've flown to England plenty of times to learn how to do deals and clearing workshops, you know what I mean? Like, And at the end of the day, all I did was waste money. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that works for me is religion. 
And I believe in what I'm doing now. For years, I didn't. I was baffling myself. But now I believe in what I do. I, be, I know how to clear houses. I only work with religion. And I know it's real. That's all it is. I don't need anything else. Now, it could be a medium out there doing what I'm doing. A fair play. If it's for you, it's for you. I'm not going to dish you. But I'm just saying, from my point of view, I, I'm not a medium. I'm not psychic. I'm a demonologist. I go into people's houses. I can see stuff. I hear stuff. Sometimes spirits talk to me. I'm not a medium. It's called discernment. Because before I go into the house, I pray for the sermon. I pray if there's anything in there, allow me to see or feel. Let me get a feel what's in the house. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I go to people's houses and they're telling me, oh, I'm psychic. I was told I was psychic. Oh, I can see this black shadow. I can speak to it. And after 10 minutes, I'm like, no, you're not psychic. It's called oppression. You're yeah. sick because you're in. Like, you go into a haunted house, you mightn't see something. You go into a, a demonic house and you stand it long enough, it shows itself to you. It speaks to you. It yeah. tries to frighten you. Doesn't make you a psychic or a medium. Doesn't make you have special gifts. It just means you're an easy target. That it's chose you for a reason and it's mentally, emotionally breaking you down. Yeah. It all comes down to emotion. These things, everything a demon does are fallen angel. There's like how there's I think I know some I studied out I've done so much in my brain's a bit well. I think there's nine orders of angel. There probably is. I've done now do you ever study so much and then you forget stuff and we're being interviewed live, you're going, Oh, what the hell am I gonna say here about? There's nine orders of angel, yeah. And start from the lowest up, you know, they just like give angels, archangels, thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, you know, serfing and serfing. There's so many, like, but the highest angels, right, fell with the lowest order. So you've got a mixture of different orders. So what you have, what it comes down to, right? You've demons and devils. Demons do all the dirty work. They're the, they're like management. And workers does that make sense you've got office crowd you've got the workers right so the low-ranking demon do all the monkey work they go in the oppress the attack people right very rarely do the do the do, do the devils step into this world well they're in this world but they don't they do it they're like they, they pull the strings yeah 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 they don't want they, they do everything but they're in the background they're like they're like they're, they're the bosses they sit in the office you know what i mean like with the pen do this do that when they're out there in the factory so all the little minions are running around doing the dirty work, right? But every once in a while, these, these, when enough doors are open through enough fear, when someone's opening themselves right up, a devil will step in. You've either got bees above us, a smony, something dark, something so strong that when these come into this world, when they get into your house, they kill people. People die in exorcisms. People cut wrists. Houses are destroyed. It rains rocks in your house. When they, when it's called a demonic siege. When something so strong has got to hold your house, radiators will appear off the wall and appear in the back garden. Doors will smash. TVs will go on fire. That, that is the worst thing that can happen. It's very rare. So basically, people think of hauntings and scary stuff, but I'm going to tell you what really happens and how it happens. The most frightening part is the demons, the ghosts, the black shadows, that is the last thing you will see in a proper demonic haunting. What happens first is you get out of bed. You, could, you know, your family's there. You've used the Ouija board the night before. Everything's fine. The house smells nice. You know, you say, yeah, Mac, you say, put on the heat in there. Ah, the radiator's not working. So we just fixed them last week. We get the plumber back out. Plumber comes out, goes around. Can't find what's going on. You know, you go out your car, your car tire slashed. Jeez, what's going on? Sure, I just bought that tire last week. They'll go on for weeks and weeks and weeks. You start spending all your money. Money will disappear. 
basically what it's doing, it's emotionally setting you, it's, it's, it's working off your emotions, it's breaking you down. You're, mm-hmm. you're working all day, you're coming home, you're fighting with your family, your, your house is falling apart, you're spending all your money on electricians, electricians can't find nothing wrong with the wiring, the minute he leaves, a plug sparks up and breaks. Do you understand what's happening? Had the demon hasn't shown itself. This is smart. What it does is it watches you. Everything it does is done for a reason. It taps on the wall three times. It's done for a reason. It's told to do that. And when you hear the tapping noise, you go, what's going on? It watches your body. It watches your aura field. It watches your soul. If you get afraid, it knows what frightens you. And then it builds it up. So we can yeah. see the problem is there's no time in the spirit world. I always tell people this, but spirits are aware of time. Most of my most of my cases from Ouija boards are when their father done a Ouija board or when they done a Ouija board when they're, say, 15 years of age. It's 15, 16 years later because the spirits attached to your bloodline because you've opened the door. They step in. They don't have to do anything. They don't have to show themselves. They've attached to your bloodline. So you've done that. They'll sit back because there's no time. They're aware of time. Time is nothing to them, right? They'll study it. They'll watch it. Come on from work, you know, your child is sick, your wife's arguing with you, you start to have a little bit of a nervous breakdown, you're upset, that's when it attacks your emotions, that's when it builds up the isolation, it makes you fight with yourself, it drives a family apart, does that make sense what I'm saying? What exactly, if I say exactly, what exactly is the shadow element? Because this is what the first and most common thing I came across. Shadows, these things can show, these things appear as shadows, black shadows. Because that's what they see themselves as. You know, but unfortunately, they can appear as anything they want. They appear as black shadows to frighten you because you know you're afraid of a black shadow. If you appear as white or past, they'll go, oh, shit, that's just a spirit or that's the sun, but black shadow will frighten you. That's what they are. They're darkness, they're black, there's no lightning. That's why during the psychic hours, say from maybe 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock in the morning, that's when he attack you because. In the darkness, they have full control. Does that make sense? They come out at night. But yeah. most of my clearings I do, I do during the day. I used to do clearings always at night time. But at night time, you know, you're staying in people's houses. Everybody's up. You're doing your clearing. Fear is being brought up. You know, psychic energy is being released because they're downstairs. They're freaking out when you're upstairs. Gone again, something. There's banging. They're getting more scared. There's more fear. But during the day, <clears throat> we have the advantage. Yeah. Because... It's there's light, there's it is it's positively there's light. You it's just essence. There's everything there. To do with clearing on the day, it can be as dangerous, but you're in more control. Yeah. Like the boys upstairs doing the clearing, the lights go out. You're in total darkness. You can't open the door. Panic kicks in. Your adrenaline goes up. Well, it pulls you back. You're screaming. You're fighting. And what happens is, and it, you know when you explain this to people, they go, "Oh, sure, you just throw holy water, say your prayer." It doesn't happen that way. When you're pinned down and you're pulled to the ground, the fear alone is something weird because it's weird because it's invisible. You don't think, you can't talk, you can't, nothing works for a few minutes. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. It controls everything. Yeah, and it's interesting because that, like, when a couple of times it did come to the, you know, obviously, you know, first I was thinking, why would this happen? Sometimes it makes me angry, kind of thinking in my own way, why why would they go after a four-year-old, you know, you know, wife from that age? And then, it get, it, you know, the last time something happened, you know, I was more, I was faith-based and I was more angry when it came out yeah. and not afraid as much. And I said to Jesus, I trust you a few times and it went away like that. 
now some you have to take if I was a dame yeah, and I was invited into your house I knew the family the wife knew the kids right I'd pick a sick child mm-hmm. now with two things I could do I could frighten that child to death I could make that child cry and scream all day that would stress you out your child's not sleeping you understand where I'm coming from you yeah. freak the family out they're all emotionally unstable right then eventually, I have to show myself because God gave rules. They have to show themselves. You invite them in over time. They have to let you know they're there. Yeah. That's how it works. There's rules set in place, invitation, attraction. They have to show themselves. They have to give the three knocks. It's, a tr- it's basically mocking the trinity of God. Uh, yeah. In the morning where it's the opposite, the three o'clock in the day where Jesus was died, died on the cross. So what happens is another thing I can do is I can, all children are so innocent. They're so pure like animals when they're young, right? There's nothing bad in them. They're so open, they can see spirits anyway. It's easy for me as a, as a demonic being to appear as a child to a child, not dark, but as a friendly spirit, talk yeah. to that child, become friends with that child. Yeah. And yeah. eventually get the invitation into the house I want. You yeah. know, what I mean? that child, watch the child grow for a few years, and then bang, do what I want. Going back. Because I know, like, when I worked with the courage to tell my friends years ago, I think I was about 12. I was telling him it was his father's 40th and we were in the side room for pub, you know, a hallway. And I, I said, you know, I'll tell you something. And when I told him, the minute I told him, the electricity went in the whole pub. And because we were mid-conversation, the panic in the two was, you know, crawling for the old. But it's happened a few times where we talk about it and something would fall. Even to the stage where when I talked to my friends that I was talking about a while ago that I was going to have this interview, he didn't want to talk too much about it on text because he was worried from talking about it, you know, what would happen that night to himself. Who, who's this, your friend, is it? Yeah, who I said was atheist last year. I said, look, I'm going to have a demonologist on. I'm going to ask him about these things. And he said, I don't want to talk too much about it. I, I can do stuff off the phone as well. I, I'm, you know, some this job comes down to not just helping people. When you do a case, it's, you get a bit of counselling as well. You ring them up all the time. You talk to them. You, you talk them through stuff. I'm not, I'm not a counsellor. I'm, I'm not saying I'm a doctor. I'm not a counsellor. But, you know... I've gone through. I've gone through a lot of my time when I was living in my house and talking about the haunted objects. I knew for a fact if I didn't do something, I would. I would be overcome. I would die or get possessed because it. You know, you can't hold out forever. These. You know, you can't hold out forever. You need help eventually. So, you know, I've gone through a lot of stuff. And I go into people's houses and say, "Well, I've seen a black shadow." I can say, "Yeah, well, I've seen a black shadow. I know how you feel. I know exactly what's going on." I got pinned to a bed. You know, I got pinned to a bed. I know what it's like. You know, I'm scared. I see stuff. Yeah, I know. And to be honest, like, I'm not the bravest man in the world. You know. I go upstairs to do deliverances, and you know, I get scared too. Anybody tell you they're not scared is a liar. Yeah. I don't. Try, I gave up paranormal for one reason. I, 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 I sat down one day and I thought to myself, I'm here last week doing a paranormal show. There's a lot of people coming in. We're bringing 70 people around a, room, about a building, and we're doing shows, and we're showing off. And then a week later, I'm trying to clear a house. And I sat down and goes, I can't do both. I can't bring spirits forward last week looking just to entertain and then get rid of them the week later. It yeah. does work. It's too dangerous. I've watched a lot of paranormal teams in the last couple of years and all of them are doing Ouija boards now. All of them are doing Ouija boards and they're bringing... <coughs> no, we're not giving out about them. I'm just saying that at the moment it seems okay. They're getting the communication. They're bringing the public in. That's... that's You're doing your thing, but I can tell you, I'm not judging you, but I will be... like. But all my cases have been years later. Yeah. 
So all these people that you bring in and you're using a Ouija board with and they pay 15 euro to go go something, <clears throat> you don't see from them, you don't hear from them again. So when they go off to the back to their own worlds, to their own families, who's not to say that they brought something with them and that person could hang themselves three years down the line? That's your, that could be your responsibility, but you'll never know. Yeah. It doesn't happen straight away. So all these people are using Ouija boards. I'm just, I'm not giving out. I'm just saying, you know something? You know, it's dangerous. And a lot, a lot of people come on the Facebook and they're on YouTube and they're saying, oh, well, we open the board up, we close it down. All the, There's no such thing as opening a board up and close. This isn't, paranormal is not a game. You become a game. You become the toy. You cannot control the spirit. You cannot control an angel. You can't, when we, human beings are full of ego and pride, you know, you have this thing going around now where, you know, I went into the house and I had to give these spirits healing. Who are we to give spirits healing? How do you know they're spirits? Why do we want to give a spirit healing? If yeah. you're in the spirit world, surely there's angels there if you need help. Who are yeah. we to say, I'm going to give you a bit of healing there to move you into the, like, no, you, you do, you not, I find it wrong. I don't like it. It does, I don't agree, but I won't percent because it's, there's something wrong about us. There's verses as well in the Bible, I know, um, that the the Bible actually is specific about this. I think it's referring to mediums. It's, you know, those who talk to the dead are fools because the the dead have nothing to say. You know something? I have to be realistic here as well. I have a lot of friends that are good mediums, and they do a lot of good work. They give readings. Oh, you mightn't agree with it at times, but, you know, they're not not making money over. They're doing it for the right reasons, which is grand. They do their thing, but, you know... I, I, I try not to judge people because I'm try, I am I don't want to go down that road because at the end of the day, someone can come on and go, oh, look at him, thinks he knows all, blah, blah. I don't. Yeah. I always tell people, I've been doing this 20 years, studying demonology, and to be honest, I'm at the bottom of the ladder. I have so much to learn. It's ridiculous. I am still learning all the time, and I'll learn to the day I'm dying. There's no experts in paranormal. There's no experts in anything because if there was experts in the paranormal, you know, you, you could charge money. There's no experts. We don't know what's going on, but we haven't. I'd rather have, you know, people have ideas and belief systems, you know. But I don't know. I have a belief in what I do, and I think I'm helping people. I'm making a small difference, you know. But at the end of the day, I'm not making. You know, I think the likes of these talks are important for that because you know, like, if if this reaches so many different countries, a lot of the podcasts I release do hit Australia and America, and they got get a lot in between. And if there's people out there going through it, which obviously there are. You know, at least they can hear. You know, like one thing I didn't realize when I was going through it for years was that faith stopped this from happening. So I was a skeptic, and one day from from reading something, I said, "Jesus, I trust in you." And like that, it was like a light switch in the room. It was like it was like was it the blind man in the street, and uh, and he touched the robe of Jesus on him, and he got healed instantly because he'd faith. It's like Padre Pio was in his cell one night, and a a fellow monk came into the cell, and of course the monk. Was his friend and the monk discouraged him, saying, "You know, Padre, you know, you shouldn't be living like this. You know, you're living here. You're you're in bits. You the stigma, everything. You know, you should give it up." And he just said, "Viva Jesus," would mean "Long live Jesus" in Latin. And straight away, he seen what it was and it disappeared. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Faith, God. I don't. I don't. You know, I, people. I work with people where they're not religious, and I try my best to try to get them to do something positively. I'll give them a few. I'll give holy chains, holy water. But I can't force people to go to mass to do so. I'm not in it to do that, you know. But I go to people's houses where they believe in different religions, and you can only you can only help them so far. Yeah. And the thing positively change their house, change the way they do things, and in a nice way, you know, in a kind of way. I don't judge people. I don't 
tell people to go to mass. Most people don't like churches, they don't like going to mass. So I say, you don't have to go to mass. If you believe in God yourself and you're religious, it's like I believe religion's inside. Yeah. More, you know, you'd be more, I'd be sort of in between Catholic, Christian, you know. Yeah. That's who I am. Like, I don't, I believe in God and Jesus Christ. I believe, I pray to him all the time. I believe he helps me. He gives me discernment. We're all working here as a team to help people. But I don't always go to Mass every week. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, sometimes I just, I just, I could miss it a couple of weeks and then I'll get back into it. But, you know, it doesn't stop me praying or believing. So you don't have to go to Mass. Some people just, you know, some people don't like leaving the house. You don't like sitting in the crowd. You know, that's the way it is. You have to understand the way things are now. The world's a different place now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there is, like, I don't go to Mass that often, but I, I pray every night, um, yeah. and I think it helps me, and it, it strengthens my faith. And, you know, now I can go to now I can go to bed and close the door to light off for the first time in years and not worry about it, you know? And that's because I think my faith, and I wear my cross, and, you know. Where are you located? Uh, in Carlo. 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 <laughs> yeah, I've been down there three or four times doing plans. I can tell you. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. Carlo, uh, um, a lot actually. Yeah. Funny enough, you know, we we lived in a few different houses growing up. We we began in Clondalkin and, and we moved to Kildare. Now every house we were in, maybe six houses, everything. I sent off something and everything, so I knew it wasn't a house haunted. It was something following me, you know. But I, funny I say that because if I I sometimes have an odd nightmare about the first house from when I was a kid. And, you know, uh, it, you, like, the, the thing with houses as well, people bring stuff into their houses to bring, they go to yard sales, they find out a rocking horse, there's no mirrors and all. Someone could have, you come and could have used the mirror for scrying, which is mirror magic, you know what I mean? You don't know, you bring it into your house. That's the thing, but that's what I always say to people when we go, have you any, have you brought in old jewellery? Have you brought anything from a yard sale? Have you brought, like, a lot of people now, they've got mad shit in their houses, like, you know, they bring these mad, last case, well, not last case, the case they don't really have these, like, you know, these uh, African figures, these, like, fraternity figures and God figures, and that was causing all the activity because they come from a country where there be people believing, you now witchcraft and magic, where they do the spells on, they do the conjuring, they bless stuff the wrong way, and to be honest, there's attachments there from that, you know, so, but listen, if there's anybody watching this, you know, or, you know, yourself, but I'm not here to diss anybody, I don't, I'm open-minded to everything, but I'm just saying that, what I'm talking about is working for me. It might mightn't work for you, something else might work for you. So I'm not I've nothing against paranormal teams or psychics or mediums because at the end of the day, we all have a role to play in this, you know what I mean? Like so, yeah. as long as you're doing it for the right reasons, you're not in it to make money out of people because you don't know where you'll be tomorrow. Yeah. That's why I do I never charge anything because you know, you when you die, at least you could sit there and go, Well, you done something good, you made a difference, you know, you're only there for a short time, you gave most of your life helping people when you didn't have to. You know, yeah. I, all my weekends, to go, I, like, all my weekends, I give up everything just to help people. I don't mind. Yeah. It's doing us, you know? Yeah, but look, yeah, I think what you're doing is very good, and, you know, the fact you're doing it for free, and it's something I, I do think that works because it has worked for me, the faith thing, and it's something that people don't talk about and they're afraid to talk about. And I think that's why it was important to, to have that chat with you today because, this falls under spiritual health and it's a massive thing for people's mental health and go, how they live their life and to protect those around us as well. So look, I really appreciate your time and coming out and talking about it. It's fantastic talking about you. I was a bit nervous there at the start because you know some I've been doing this a long time and I hate doing interviews. I hate it. I hate <laughs> everything. I don't like the interview parts at all, you know. I don't like any of that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, actually, you know, people could be sceptical coming at you and trying to take the piss or whatever like that. But personally, 
Yeah, look, I, I really appreciate you taking the time out, and I think it's a very important chat, and I'm, I'm delighted you, you took the call. Fair play to you, Gavin, and, and we'll talk again soon. Yeah, absolutely. If there's anybody looking for me, you can follow find me on the Facebook, Irish yeah. Demonologist Gavin Canavan. But um, if you do email me, we do we, we get back in a day or two. We don't leave us, you know? Yes, yeah. Well, I'll put your details on the post of this yeah, chat as well. All right, yeah. thanks very much. That was awesome. Thanks, Gavin. Thanks. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye-bye.